Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to A Visit to the Mound. I'm Lark Smith, along with Stan Huff. Today, our episode, we will talk with hitting instructor Ralph Dickinson. He was a member of the 1969 College World Series champion Arizona State Sun Devils and drafted in the first round by the Minnesota Twins. He was the head coach at Western Washington from 1975 to 78 and then was a college assistant coach from 78 to 87 at Washington State and New Mexico. Since then, he's been a major league hitting instructor for several big league teams, including the Mariners, Brewers, Expos, Rangers, and Yankees. Ralph, somewhere along the way, you crossed paths with my co-host, Stan Huff. Can you tell me where and when you two guys ran into each other? <laughs> well, I, I think that was with the Expos. That's Back right. About, uh, Right about uh, 2000 or 99, somewhere in there. 2001. 2001. Yes, the, uh, you're right. In the Expo organization. That's yep. true. So did yeah. you did you have a, a favorable opinion of this guy, or, or did, did he know what he was doing, or did you have to instruct him on how to hit the baseball? <laughs> no, I didn't have to instruct him. Uh, no, he he's got a, he's got a good idea. He knows what's going on. Yeah, he he was fine. Well, it was uh, it was a, a pleasure working with you and going over all those. We we watched films on hitters and you, how you how you uh, analyzed everything. It's it left a mark with me, and I thought, well, Ralph is good at this, and he is uh, definitely definitely got it straightened out. And you know, in working in Clinton that one year, we were we had those hitters out every day, getting after it, and uh, and you were there as well, some too. So it was. Uh, it was a very positive experience for me. Yes, yeah, it was for me too. And that was just, uh, I would say, maybe four or five years after I really got enlightened as to uh, how the swing actually works and how the body performs and the order. And, uh, you know, just uh, rather than uh, having an opinion or rather than throwing stuff against the wall and hoping it sticks, but to work from you know, a set of uh, mm-hmm. ideas and that are actually scientifically proven and uh, like the kinetic link. And this is the way that the body needs to perform, needs to work to perform to its maximum rather than say, oh, yeah, you know what? I think that uh, maybe we can do this. Maybe we can do that. No, if we look at the video and the video tells us whether we're working in proper sequence or not, uh, then we've got a, we, we, we've got a way that we can uh, move on. Now, just from an amateur viewpoint, I've never been a hitting coach, just a guy that played a little semi-pro ball. I've always thought there's basically two styles uh, of, of hitting approach. I've got the the, uh, the uh, Ted Williams approach where you're kind of standing up straight in the box and you know, shift the weight forward. And then you've got what I call the Charlie Lau theory that was basically taught to George Brett, you know, the, keep the weight on the back foot, turn, squish the bug, whatever. But 
that those seem to be the two basic styles. Is, is am I correct to that, or is there more styles than that? Well, yeah, those are the those are the two basic things, and I've I've coached both of those. Uh, when I was working at uh, Washington State, I I was doing the uh, Charlie Lau stuff because he had just come out with all those ideas, and really, I was the pitching coach there, and really didn't have. You know, my hitting thoughts weren't that good. They weren't that organized. But I started uh, getting into the Charlie Lau stuff and then going out and working with guys in the uh, field house in the winter. And so we ran with the Charlie Lau stuff. And really, uh, really, we were we were pretty productive offensively, set some school records. Um, but then the Ted Williams thing, like the Charlie Lau thing is the linear. That's the linear move where you get off your backside and you're going forward. And the Ted Williams is the more stay balanced, rotate in place. Uh, you think squash the bug, but it's not really actually squash the bug. But um, so the Ted Williams, when it's all said and done, the Ted Williams uh, style is, is more productive. It uh, lends to uh, more power production. And, uh, you know, the Charlie Lau thing turned into the Walt Riniak thing. That I remember that, definitely. In, yeah, that turned into uh, major league production um, for some extra base hits, but not the power that you could generate using the uh, rotational swing. Yeah, I've always thought that Charlie Lau was more contact and, and the, the Ted Williams was more power. Yeah, yeah. Ted Williams, a combination – Ted Williams, the Ted Williams thing is a combination of uh, of anything that you want. Yeah, of course, not all of us have the hand-eye coordination of Ted Williams. So, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, to yeah. me, uh, Charlie Louth theory. Uh, George Brett was hit. He's a front foot hitter. I mean, he'd start heavy on his backside and stride towards and end up on his front side, and that uh, everybody can't do that. No, it, you know change-ups come into play and you know guys are swinging early because they're way out in front so the more balanced uh, and Ralph we talked about this a lot the more balanced rotational you know that was that was helping guys hit balls to all 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 fields and with some right. with some hard contact there as well yeah exactly and so you know the Ted Williams thing that is really I was I was um uh, introduced to that through a guy named Tom Robson, who was a major league hitting coach with uh, Bobby Valentine for yeah, many years. The Rangers, yeah. Uh, yeah, the Rangers. And the, and the Mets. Mets and, yep, and the Chivalotti Marines in Japan. He was uh, he spent a lot of time in the big leagues, and uh, he got his information from a guy named Bob Kyes, who uh, was uh, – has not had, but has a company called Biokinetics. He works out of Salt Lake, Salt Lake City. And in the eighties, when Robson it was in Texas with Valentine as the manager and Tom House as the pitching coach, they they brought in Bob Kies and his Biokinetics company. And at that time, and still to this day, they're the only ones to three dimensionally videotape major league hitters in game. Now, a lot of guys have uh, two-dimensionally videotaped guys in game, but not three-dimensionally and digitized. In other words, manually moved their bodies so that every time there was a slight movement, about 110 different um, dots have to be connected so that wow. they wow. came up with, yeah, yeah, I mean, they came up with 
this is how the body works. These are the kinetic links. This is the kinetic chain. This is the kinematic sequence. This is the way it is. So it's irrefutable evidence. It's not, it's not opinion. It's fact. And uh, like we've talked about, Stanley, in the past, of, of balance is one of those. Rotation in place is, is another. Uh, rotation in order, big muscles to small muscles, right. and create, creating a bat lag where the bat comes last. Those are the, those are the fundamental. At that time, they were called absolutes of the swing. Um, which you call them whatever you want. That's that's kind of the way it happened. Exactly. Uh, I got to admit, you know, Tom House was a uh, he was a pitching coordinator with the Astros when I was over there, and we did that high speed stuff at Columbus, Georgia, when I was there. They had every one of the hitters and all the pitchers. We had a they had a uh, kind of a uh, a high camera. F- on below a high camera over the pitchers and the hitters mm-hmm. to high speed camera to right. uh to do their their movements and right I, and i didn't know what that was yeah. all about but that's part of that yeah, right it, there ralph it's, it's yes it slows it down such that you can see every every move every movement well they had these yeah. they put these these markers on our bodies right so they could like you said, Analyze. digitize it, mm-hmm. and uh, and we got to watch that over and over again. I, I don't know what I was looking at, but uh, evidently <laughs> it worked. It worked. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the, the it's even more advanced when they when they uh, are going like they're gonna they're going to uh, film some hitters like in a major league game. So they create a cube out of PVC that they put into the batter's boxes, and now everything that happens inside that cube is going to be captured by uh, three or four, like $40,000 cameras with frames wow. per second, uh, you know, out the, out the wow. window. So yeah. as you say, every move, every, there's nothing missed. Nothing can be missed. It's the, the frames per second, is, it takes like probably five minutes for a swing to happen. It's, it's that slow. Wow. And uh, so the information, the thing that I got out of it before I met, before I met Tom Rodson, you know, my hitting thoughts were strictly opinion. And so I, I really like that beat. I, I can remember the first time a guy named Lonnie Chase who does uh, did uh, uh, net repair and pitching machines, sold pitching machines to big league guys, to, to the, all the spring training right. uh, facilities out here. He came by. I was working for the Brewers at the time. He came by and said, hey, I've got a, I've got a videotape that you need to see. And I said, nah, I don't need to see it. I, I got all the answers. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't. <laughs> so, so finally, he said, no. He said, no, you need to see it. So I said, no, I don't need to see it. So then he said, okay, well, I'm going to bring it by one time. I said, okay, you bring it by. So he brought it by, and I sat down with another one of our coaches, uh, Rich Morales, and we looked at this. We looked at this at this uh, videotape. I'm saying we looked at it three times in a day. We're taking notes on it. We're just it's the most incredible thing we've ever seen in our lives. There's skeletons in there. There's measurements as to how far the uh, stride length is and how far the head moves. And it was just uh, it was just an eye opening an eye opening situation. And so that's been that's been uh, what I've gone on from uh, my teach has always been off of those things. For forever, ever since then. 
Okay, if you've got a player, let's say like a Will Clark or a uh, Junior Griffey, you know, it's got one of the sweetest swings on the planet, hits very well. Do you mess with them at all, show them all these analytics and stuff, or is it just the guys that, that are hitting, you know, 250 or below that you work with and try to get them to, to figure out these mechanics and get them to be better hitters? Well, the perfect example of that is uh, when when Olerud went from uh, when John Olerud went from the Toronto Blue Jays to the New York Mets, they had they had video of him playing for the Blue Jays when he was when he was hitting the ball well, and then towards the end of his uh, tenure with the with the Blue Jays, they wanted him to become a pull hitter. Well, he wasn't a pull hitter. Mm-hmm. And he was a guy who used the entire field. Absolutely. And so when he got when he got to the Mets, then they they did a video analysis again of him, and they compared to uh, what he was doing uh, with the Mets to what he was doing with the Blue Jays, and they identified areas where he was off, and they put that back together. So we're talking about working with one of the best hitters around, the guy who hit 390 in the big leagues, right? And so if the individual is willing to listen to uh, the information and run with it, then it's going to help him. Uh, I would say that that Griffey would not be one of those. That's probably the best swing ever. <laughs> yeah. And so I was man. I was Griffey's manager in uh, in the late '80s in San Bernardino when he was um, 19. And so he's going along and he's struggling a little bit. The swing's getting long. His dad's out there uh, often to watch him play, never interfering, always, always maintaining the distance. But so I say to uh, Junior, I say, hey, you know what? We probably need to go out and do some extra hitting, see what see what we can do. He said, nah, no, I'm good. So about a week later, I said, yeah, let's let's set up the field and let's go out and do some early hitting. He said, okay, all right. So we go out there. I'm setting up the screen and and uh, getting things ready, and he's standing at home plate, and he says, hey, come here for a minute before we get started. So I walk up there uh, to home plate, and he said, I just want to tell you one thing before we get going. He said, don't mess with the grippy swing. <laughs> so he was, he, was, he was probably not ready to hear the biomechanics. Stuff. Right. Yeah, they have to be receptive to whatever you're trying to teach. Otherwise, they're going to just be – uh, well, like Nick Saban once told his football team, your talent is your biggest nemesis. You think your talent yep. is going to carry you through. You've been the best player on your high school team. Well, everybody at this level is the best player on their high school team. You've got to work yep. at it still. You can't just let your talent yep. carry you. Yep. No, the best well, – uh, excuse me. Uh, the best coaching as far as hitting goes is is uh, you you watch, you take notes – and when they're struggling and they come to you, they're more receptive to listen to it. Absolutely. And, and, you know, but uh, with those ideas that, that you have, particularly the ones you got there, Ralph, it's uh, you want to just spit them out right and just you know throw it all over them. But you really can't. You got to. You, they got to be in a in a situation where they're willing to listen. And uh, that was that was part of the how I looked at, at working with hitters too, though. But we did a lot of yep. hitting down at, at, yep. at Clinton. Yep. We did a lot of hitting. So we had five guys that raised their average and uh, from yeah. 150 to 200. So, but yeah, 
right. They weren't. We, we had like one guy hit over 300, and that was it. Did a lot of, hey, did a lot of extra hitting in a pretty poor facility. Exactly. <laughs> like six hours a day. But, uh, hey, yeah. that's just the way it goes. We, we gave it a best shot. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'd say that that now with all the uh, analytical information that's out there and all the different uh, cameras that are placed in, in uh, minor league ballparks that there, there's a lot of hitting going on. And at the big league level with uh, the types of machines that are available in the batting facilities underneath stadiums, uh, guys are out there, you know, guys are always saying, well, pitchers are throwing a hundred pitchers are throwing uh triple digits and yeah but you know what the hitters are practicing uh, hitting that every day so they can turn that around uh, exactly they, they can turn that around like it was 85 back in the day i got i, I agree totally with that well, also part of the hitting philosophy that i didn't know much about whenever i was playing just semi-pro ball is the mental approach to hitting i knew all about the mechanics and stuff like that but the mental approach never really entered into my mind until you know, the last few years when watching college baseball, pro baseball, I understand that you're, you're looking for certain pitches and certain counts, things of that nature. I, even when I was in semi-pro ball, I, I couldn't hit the curveball. I had my dad throw me bottle caps that I hit with a with a broomstick. <laughs> you know, yeah, I can hit the curveball when I know it's coming. When I, you know, have no idea and I'm just up there swatting at flies, I'm not going to hit much anything. So, I mean, yeah. how much of the mental approach is involved in your instruction? Well, the mental approach is uh, the separator. That's, I'd say it's 80, 80% plus of the success of a hitter. And uh, the thing that, that separates, I think the mental game is the separator between minor league hitters, the given, you know, given ability that the, the separator is the mental game. Like a big league guy can go 0 for 4 and come up for his fifth at bat, maybe with three punch outs already on the game and still expecting to get a base hit and win the game in his, in his next at bat. I mean, when I saw that at the big league level, I only coached at the big league level for a year. And when, and that was the biggest thing that I saw, like a guy like Altuve could go up and be over four, but he expects to get a hit in his fifth at bat. And just uh, not only him because he's a good name guy and a good hitter, but, I'd say mostly throughout the, the big leagues that the confidence level is extremely high. The ability to focus uh, is off the charts. I agree totally. Those guys are playing up there for huge sums of money now, and they're expecting production from 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 the business side and from themselves. So it's uh, they don't they don't wallow in their own uh, you know uh, sadness. They. They get yep, after it yeah, and they work on it. They they yep. tune it up every day. I know you're right. Yeah, and the information. I mean, the information is endless. Uh, the the video and the, the video of the uh, pitchers who are going to be pitching that day, the starter that day, the relievers, uh, the information on what pitches they throw, on what counts, what pitches they throw for strikes, what pitches they throw for balls. And, and uh, just being able to go into the video room at 1 o'clock in the afternoon and watch the guy who you're going to see tonight on top of your library as a hitter that you've already you've already built up because you've seen guys before. And so, I mean, that's the reason I think why 
Well, you yeah. see a guy who, who <clears throat> big league guys aren't familiar with, sometimes they struggle with it. Well, you got all those resources there. There's no way you can fail, really and truly, as far as hard contact goes. Uh, you might not get yeah. hits, but you're going to be you're going to be putting the bat on the ball in a hard way. So, you're right. I wait, you got those kind of resources. You should be doing pretty well as far as hard contact yeah. goes. And that almost yeah. sounds well, like uh, being a major league baseball is, is a player is a full time job as opposed to just going out there for the three hours on the field. You got a lot of mental preparation before the game if you're going to be studying pitchers and what they throw in certain counts and what they throw in certain base running situations. There's a lot of uh, skull practice there to get prepared for each and individual game. Definitely, definitely. Different guys, different guys go about that in different ways, right? Some guys can't get enough. Some guys don't want to get too much, you know? And so it's, 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 but it's all there. If you want it, it's there. And uh, if you, don't want it and you're not performing well we're going to see in triple a you know <laughs> exactly you've so. got uh just like just like you guys are saying now all the information everything that you need is available to you how uh, now you were with the astros that year and and did they take advantage of that stuff all that oh oh yeah oh yeah i was i was the assistant hitting coach john Maley was the uh was the was the hitting coach and Maley Maley was really into this and he and, and there was a like an analytical front office where all they did was study stuff where they come up with uh, with uh, catcher's framing for example that's become a big deal and uh, as far as I'm concerned that 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 started right there with the Astros and then the Maley would always Maley would be posing questions to the analytical guys about hey when we're doing when we're doing short pitch, in order to get the ball on the same downward plane as if it was coming off from a mound, if we were at this distance away from home plate, should we be sitting down or standing up or on one knee? And then they go and they and they figure all that stuff out, and then they and then they bring it back, and then that's what we do. If we had an issue, we we just take it to the front office, and they they study it out, research it, bring the info back, and we try to put it into effect. That's that's deep, <laughs> very profound. Absolutely. Uh, where are you located now? What are you doing nowadays? Located in uh, Phoenix and doing uh, doing private instruction with uh, all ages from probably ten to college. I bet you're staying busy too, huh, Ralph? Staying busy doing a lot of those lessons, probably about thirty-five, forty lessons a week. Yeah, it's good working out of a. Uh, small little mainly softball facility working with uh, softball and baseball players and uh, you know what the whole deal about it is that it's uh, if it's whatever you're what we're just working out those biomechanical uh, absolutes that uh, whether you're 12 or whether you're 32 they're all the same yes I agree Definitely. Very good. Well, Ralph, we certainly appreciate your time today. Best of luck and and continued success with your instructions. Hey, well, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Great opportunity talking to you guys. You bet, Ralph. Good talking to you again as well. Got it. Talk to you. Thanks. You bet. That's our time for this episode of A Visit to the Mound. Many thanks to our special guest today, Ralph Dickinson, and thank you for listening. If you have any questions or comments or anything you would like for us to cover, we'd be more than happy to hear from you. 
You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at A Visit to the Mound or on our website at avisittothemound.com. Make sure you like, subscribe, and review this podcast and be listening the next time we make A Visit to the Mound. That'll wrap up this visit to the mound. We certainly appreciate you joining us today for a little baseball talk. Anytime you want to hear something about baseball, you can find us anywhere you get your podcast, or you can go to roguemedianetwork.com for the next edition of A Visit to the Mound. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast. 